three lawyers. No holds barred questions and answers, and only the legal advice that matters. This is the source of legal knowledge. This is the defender of your rights. This is Triumvirate. Good evening and welcome to the Triumvirate. This is your host, Blessy. Tonight, we are going to feature three legal inquiries from our listeners, Anna, Tanya, and Jill. Our legal experts, attorneys Christine Florete, Arvigin Zoe Bernal, and Salvador Alba II, will share their personal insights on these issues and hope that this will enlighten our listeners. Our first listener tonight is Anna, who is working as a waitress at one of the upscale restaurants in the city. She would like to know if she is entitled to a service charge collected by the restaurant. Hi, attorneys. My name is Anna. I am working as a waitress at one of the more popular restaurants in the city. When the pandemic hit, the restaurant was one of those which remained open for dine-in. In order to survive, the restaurant no longer charges its customers service charge. This resulted to a decrease in our take-home pay as we used to receive an equal share of the service charge. My question is, can the restaurant management stop charging service charge and deprive us of our share in the service charge? Under Article 96 of the Labor Code of the Philippines, Republic Act 11360, service charges are mandated to be distributed completely and equally among qualified workers except managerial employees. Due to the pandemic, however, it is not uncommon for restaurants to resort to customer discounts or waiver of certain charges in order to survive. In the case of your restaurant, it stopped paying service charges. Your question is, can they do this? Yes, restaurants can stop collecting service charge. However, when they do so, the share of the affected employees shall be considered integrated in their wages, the basis of which will be the average monthly share of each employee for the past 12 months, immediately preceding the abolition or withdrawal of such charges. This is to account for any possible diminution of benefits, which is prohibited under Article 100 of the Labor Code of the Philippines. It is worth to know that the implementing rules and regulations of Republic Act 11360 is silent on the integration of service charge in the employee's wage. As such, the previous rules on wage integration of service charge may still be applied as this is beneficial to workers' rights. Thank you, Attorney R.V. June. I hope Anna is enlightened about her rights insofar as wage benefits even during the pandemic. We move on to the next legal inquiry. This is from Tanya, a gym instructress. Hello, attorneys. My name is Tanya, and I used to work as a gym instructress. And I would like to ask about my rights against the previous employer and a co-employee, Ryan. Now, when I was still working at the gym, the gym management has required me to wear company-issued yoga pants while inside the gym premises. Now, these were not only uncomfortable, but also revealing. And this subjected me to sexual harassment at the hands of customers who would ogle at me. What's worse is that Ryan, the gym supervisor, also harassed me by giving me sexual innuendos. And one time, he courted me near the locker room and kissed me on the cheek. 
and because of what happened, I felt insecure in my workplace. And this led me to file a complaint against Ryan at our head office. And on the same date, I filed a vacation leave as I could no longer take Ryan's continued sexual advances. The problem is our head office did not take my immediate action on my complaint. Thus, I was forced to tender my resignation. And when I asked for my employee benefits, the gym company refused to pay me separation pay as they claimed I voluntarily resigned. Attorneys, I resigned because the gym company has placed me in a situation that men would harass me. It never sanctioned Ryan who has sexually harassed me or admonished him to stop his perverted acts. So does my resignation due to sexual harassment forfeits my right to demand separation pay from the company? Hello Tanya, this is attorney Sal Alba. I am saddened by what has happened to you. Sexual harassment is the vilest violation of women's rights when it is committed in a workplace. It places the victim in a helpless situation where she must choose between earning an income or keeping her honor as a human being. Section 5 of Republic Act 7877 or the Anti-Sexual Harassment Act, which squarely applies to your case, provides that when an employee is sexually harassed by another employee and their employer has not taken any immediate action about it, the employer shall be held solidarily liable and the employee is considered constructively dismissed. In your case, Tanya, the delay of your previous employer to act on your complaint for sexual harassment against Ryan showed its insensibility, indifference, and disregard for its employees' security and welfare. Under the law, The insensibility to an employee's harassment case is a ground for constructive dismissal. You resigned from the gym because of the hostile and offensive work environment created by Ryan and reinforced by gym management who made you wear revealing uniform at the work premises. This being the case, you can be considered to have been constructively dismissed and entitled to claim separation benefits, the same being included in the available remedies to illegally dismissed employees. Thank you, Attorney Sal. I truly agree with the position that putting an employee in a hostile environment where co-workers disrespect him or her is constructive dismissal. I am happy that Tanya has been enlightened by our legal advice on the matter. Our last listener is Jill, a bank employee who is asking about filing a case to dissolve her marriage. Hello, attorneys. I am Jill. I am married to my husband, Roy, for 20 years, and we have a daughter. Roy and I were living a modest lifestyle until the pandemic happened. Roy lost his job and became miserable. Because of this, he returned to his old ways using illegal drugs. I thought he was able to overcome this drug problem, but I was wrong. Because he was often high, Roy began to miss in his obligations, not only to our family, but to me as his spouse. He even stole money from our family savings and started to sell our personal property 
just to buy drugs. I sought the help from our family members and was able to commit Roy in a drug rehabilitation center. However, Roy was able to escape and resume taking illegal drugs. He became violent whenever I refused to give him money to buy drugs. When he physically assaulted me, I decided to end our marriage. Roy has chosen drugs over his family. My question is, what if Roy do not submit himself to psychological evaluation, which is need to establish that he is psychologically incapacitated to comply with his marital duties? Will this pose a problem to my petition to declare our marriage as null and void? Hello, Jill. This is attorney Christine Florete. In the case of Tan Andal versus Andal, the latest decision regarding the declaration of nullity of marriage, the Supreme Court held that psychological incapacity of a spouse to comply with his or her marital obligations is neither a mental incapacity nor a personality disorder that must be proven through an expert opinion. There must be proof, however, of the durable or enduring aspects of a person's personality called personality structure, which manifests itself through clear acts of dysfunctionality that undermines the family. The spouse's personality structure must make it impossible for him or her to understand and more importantly to comply with his or her essential marital obligations. Proof of these aspects of personality need not be given by an expert. Ordinary witnesses who have been present in the life of the spouses before the latter contracted marriage may testify on behaviors that they have been present in the life of the spouses before the latter contracted marriage may testify on behaviors that they have consistently observed from the supposedly incapacitated spouse. From there, the judge will decide if these behaviors are indicative of a true and serious incapacity to assume the essential marital obligations. So, Jill, just relax. The personal examination of your husband Roy is not required for a declaration of nullity of ma marriage due to psychological incapacity. Thank you, Attorney Tin, for your straightforward advice. Well, that is our episode for tonight. I hope you have picked a thing or two from the legal inquiries sent by our guests. Again, this is your host, Blessy, and I am inviting you once again to be with us next week for another episode of the Triumvirate. Good night. Stories discussed in this podcast are inspired by real cases decided by the Supreme Court. The opinions and views of the guest lawyers are their own personal analysis and views on the featured topic. Any comment about the podcast episodes may be sent to Amicus Juris Facebook page.